is an audio platform created to educate, inform, and empower women to take charge of their physical and mental health. Join Shalana Battle and her occasional guests as they discuss many issues and health topics that concern women. While many health tips and advice will be discussed on this platform by licensed professionals, it should not take the place of seeking help from your own physician or therapist. If you feel that you need professional advice or medical assistance, do not hesitate to contact your provider. Now, let's get to the show. Hey girl, hey, and welcome to the first episode of season two of The Eavesdrop, where as always, I am your host, Dr. Shalana Battle. I came across a quote today that said, If I ever let my head down, it will be just to admire my shoes. And I thought, what a simple quote, but it has a very powerful message. And the message came right on time for me because the other day I ran into a situation that left me feeling frustrated and just a little discouraged. I think it is safe to say that we all have those days, we've all been there where someone or something has become a challenge or a struggle. Rather, it's what someone has said to us, an unpleasant experience, financial struggles, or health issues, or just life. There's always something there that can be a stumbling block. But it is important to know that God has never promised us that this journey we are on will be a cakewalk. There will be challenges, but we must hold our head up high and stand tall against our adversaries, right? I am a firm believer that good things are meant to come from negative situations. Sometimes negative situations provide invaluable lessons for us. Sometimes they move us out of complacency. Sometimes they provide opportunities. And sometimes they allow us to become innovative and birth new ideas. For example, last year when COVID first introduced itself to the world and stay at home orders were effective, I was furloughed from my job, right? At first I was like, me, a healthcare worker, furloughed? Who does that? (laughs) I'm supposed to be essential, right? But it was obviously something that was necessary for my job to do. At first, I panicked. I was anxious about the uncertainty of things. But a still quiet voice said, if God allowed it, there is a reason and a purpose and he will see you through. I immediately picked my head up. I fixed my crown. And during my extra time off, I caught up with much needed rest. God knows I needed rest. I prayed and gave God more of my time. I caught up on reading. Reading is something that I love to do. And because of work and school and just trying to juggle everything, reading just kind of got pushed to the side. So I was able to catch up on more reading. And it was during this time that I was furloughed that I birthed the idea for this podcast. Instead of focusing on the negative thing, I focused on the why. In order for me to become more innovative with my life and for God to push me out of being comfortable or complacent, this had to happen. So if you are going through a rough patch right now, I challenge you to not focus on the what, but look into the why. Why did this happen? And try to be as positive as possible. Find positivity out of every situation. Pick your head up, sis, and don't ever look down unless you are admiring your shoes. Okay, so now let's get to today's topic. Today you are in for a special treat because we will be talking about heart disease and then I will introduce a special guest that will discuss healthy eating and how we can eat our way to wellness and wholeness. So are you ready? Let's get to today's topic.
February has been declared by the American Heart Association as American Heart Health Month with an emphasis on women in heart disease. Heart disease is a really big issue for women in the United States. It is an issue that affects all genders, but women have poorer outcomes when compared to men. For example, 500,000 or one out of three women will die from heart disease each year compared to over 347,000 or one out of four men. Both statistics are alarming and show that this is a major issue in our country. There are many forms of heart disease, but the most common form of heart disease in the United States is coronary artery disease. Coronary artery disease is caused by plaque buildup in the walls of the arteries that supply both the heart and the brain and other parts of the body. Plaque is made of deposits of cholesterol and other substances in the artery. And the plaque buildup causes the inside of the arteries to become very hard, narrow, and clogged. And this can partially or totally block the blood flow from the heart to the brain. And this can lead to both heart attacks and strokes. The good news about heart disease is that it is preventable. Just knowing your risk factors and taking strides to make healthy lifestyle choices can reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease or help improve pre-existing health conditions that are known as precursors to cardiovascular disease, such as hypertension, diabetes, and high cholesterol. There are risk factors in which we cannot control, and these are called non-modifiable risk factors. And these include age, because the older you are, the higher the risk factors for heart disease. Genetics. There are pre-existing health conditions that can lead to heart disease, such as hypertension, diabetes, and congenital heart disease. And these tend to run in families. And lastly, being African-American or of Hispanic descent, can raise your risk even more for heart disease. Modifiable risk factors are those risk factors that you have control over. These are risk factors that are preventable with our lifestyle choices. And these include smoking. Smoking definitely is a high risk factor for coronary artery disease. Excessive alcohol use, if you drink excessively, this increases the risk for heart disease. Living a sedentary lifestyle or a lifestyle in which there is little to no activity. Having hypertension and high cholesterol and diabetes all lead to heart disease. Poor eating habits, such as eating diets high in fats, processed foods, and not having enough fiber, such as within the fruits and veggies that we eat. Notice that hypertension and high cholesterol and diabetes are considered modifiable. And that is because these chronic diseases can be prevented or eliminated with proper diet and exercise. So it can be modified. You should also notice that there are more modifiable conditions then there are non-modifiable conditions, which shows that heart disease, for the most part, is preventable. Today, we are joined by a special guest to discuss how eating healthy can help us promote physical and emotional wellness. And I'm so excited about this conversation. Angela Golden Bryan is my sorority sister one time for Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. <laughs> she is well-rounded in the area of nutrition and has become what I like to call my go-to person to learn how to use what we eat to help emotional and spiritual and physical wellness in our lives. She is full of new ideas for eating healthy and she is a raw food chef. So... I know we will learn so much from her. Are you ready? Here's the conversation. Hi, Angela, or should I say my soror? (laughs) (laughs) Hi, hi, or should I say Dr. Battles, soror? Right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
thank you so much for joining me today to talk a little bit about nutrition and wellness. Now, February has been designated by the American Heart Association as American Heart Month. And as both of us know, our diets really play a huge role in our cardiovascular health. And I wanted to give our listeners some tips on how to eat healthier and achieve wellness through their diets, and plus answer some frequent concerns about healthy eating. Um, but before we do any of that, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself? All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for for having me, first of all, and uh, the opportunity to share. That's one of the things. I am Angela Golden Bryan, and the older I get, the more I am aware of my gifts, my talents, and my abilities. And one of the things that I embrace is that I love encouraging people to be the best version of themselves. And I do that in the mind, the body, and the spirit. And so often I'm finding now that people come to me asking me about tips for the food, the mind and the body, but especially the food, because that is an area where so many people are interested in. There's so much that we do around food. So uh, I am, I'm a health nut is what some people would call me. I prefer to say health enthusiast. I am a storyteller and I like to help people tell their story. So that's a little bit about me. I could go on because there's, I'm a little old, you know, so I have a lot of experience. I could talk a lot. So if you could direct me a little bit more, what, what you want to know, <laughs> just shoot away. <laughs> right. So I know a little bit about you because you are my Sora. And I know in some of our conversations, you've mentioned that you are a raw food chef. Yeah. And one of the things I was really always curious about is, first of all, what is a raw food diet? And what is raw food versus live food? Oh, okay, great. Those are great questions. Thank you so much. So uh, raw food chef. Raw food chef is really is someone who has taken the time to learn some recipes and some of the, the ideology behind what it means to eat raw foods. And as the name indicates, a raw food is a food that hasn't been cooked or heated. And I, I've seen so many different degrees. Some people say not heated past 113, some uh, degrees Fahrenheit, some go as far as like 118. But at the end of the day, what it really means is that the food, the enzymes in the food have not been damaged or killed. And that's what a raw food is. And when you're looking at the difference between a raw and a living food, uh, a living food or food that's still alive is it's still alive and it's growing when you consume it. So by a, a technical definition, a living food are foods that are consumed within 48 hours after they're picked. That's living or let's say a sprout, which is so easy. I can share a little bit of, about easy sprouting a little as we uh, get towards the end or whenever you, you'd like me to. But yeah, that's the basic difference is that the living foods are still growing. So when you're looking at a, a raw food, these include the majority of things that people might think like a, a fresh fruit or a vegetable or a carrot that we buy from the store. Because we keep in mind, when we buy something from a store, it's traveled quite a ways, at least in, in our local markets. If you just take a look at it, it, it comes from California, from Mexico, all over the place. So we're not consuming it within 48 hours. Now, if you go into your garden and you pick some fresh herbs and you use them, it's still considered living. So th does that make sense? Yes, it makes a lot of sense. I want to also ask, when you think about a raw food diet, is it just with fruits and vegetables or are we looking at meat products as well too? Well, this will shock some people because the majority of people who think of a raw foodist, they think vegan, vegetarian, that's it. However, there are raw foodists who consume raw animal products. So you're talking about raw, unpasteurized cheese, dairy, butter, cream, and even raw meat. And I believe in the doctor is Aginus. I'd have to Google it to get a correct spelling, but he is one of the, the big proponents of eating raw animal products for healing. 
And uh, one of my friends who introduced me to the concept, he was so sick that traditional doctors had written him off as dead and say, hey, you know, make your will, make peace with everybody that you know because you're going to die. And he found that eating raw fruits and vegetables in addition to raw animal products is what brought him back to life and helped him maintain that vitality. But the majority of people, when you say raw food, it's gonna be vegan and right. raw fruits and vegetables, yeah. And I'm sure that there might be more health benefits eating foods in their raw sources because I believe that when you cook food, you get rid of all the nutrients that are there that are really good for us. Basically, it ends up being even more about enzymes than nutrients because some foods like sweet peppers, sweet bell peppers, as well as tomatoes, some foods actually are better for you once they're cooked. However, once you cook them, the enzymes are dead. And some foods, the nutrients, uh, the enzymes are really what the problem is because they are extremely heat sensitive. They deactivate very easily when they're exposed to high temperatures. So it's important to add the raw and living foods because our bodies need enzymes for pretty much every function that the body does. I mean, from the top of our head to the soles of our feet, we need enzymes. Most people are familiar with, with just the digestive enzymes, which are hugely important. But you know, enzymes are proteins that create chemical reactions in the body, and they speed up the, the rate of uh, chemical reactions to help support life. And once we reach a certain age, you know, late 20s, 30s, our body's ability to produce its own enzymes decrease dramatically. So if we're consistently eating foods that are void of enzymes, and a lot of the raw foodists will call it dead food, which, I, which it can sound a little offensive. You know, you're eating dead food. Well, that's the other thing. I don't believe in food shaming anyone, you know? Right. Don't food shame anyone. <laughs> but if you're eating foods that are mostly void of the living enzymes and you're older, where are those enzymes coming from? Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're talking depletion of energy. We're, we're speaking about really a, a huge basis for the beginning of dis-ease. Right. And you just mentioned food shaming. So <laughs> I wanted to cover what that is uh -huh. and why it is important for us to refrain from that. Yes. When I think of food shaming, I think of it in terms of any type of shaming that a person does. And it's with the idea that I have a worldview. My worldview is the one and only correct worldview. Yours is wrong. Therefore, I'm going to quote unquote, I'm going to help you out by shaming you making you feel bad about your choices, making you feel bad about who you are so that you can believe as I do. And so when it comes to food shaming, some of the food shaming I had heard is, you're killing those poor animals. You're a horrible person. Would you want someone to eat your cat? <laughs> you know, it's bad food, all the food yeah. shaming. However, there are some people that really, when you look, at us as individuals, they do better with some animal protein. And now a, a vegetarian that hears me say that, they, they will probably be offended. But how in the world can like one thing, one way of eating be right for every single person? Right. There mm -hmm. are people out there that have allergic reactions to many items. So if I sit here and I say, everybody better eat broccoli because broccoli is the most, and you're allergic to broccoli. That means it's not true of everyone then, doesn't it? Right. How can I say everyone? So that's a bit about the food shaming. I believe that it's food along with so many of the other choices that we make is an individual option. It's an individual choice. And yes, science will back up that there are better foods to eat that are more conducive. But I like to think about taking personal responsibility in all areas of our life, and that includes food. So say, for instance, I am 10 pounds heavier than I would like to be, and I'm looking at this icing-laden, covered 
cake. It is up to me to eat it. I'm not going to shame myself and say what a horrible person I am for eating a piece of cake. But what I will do is I will ask myself, is eating this piece of cake in alignment with the goals that I have for myself? Is eating this going to help me feel vibrant, youthful, energetic, mm -hmm. and shed myself of those extra pounds that I want? So it's more about empowering, making empowering choices, food choices as well, and feeling good about it, not feeling victimized or shamed. Right. So out of all the types of chefs that you could have been and all the different choices, why become a raw food chef? Well, when I was thinking, I was not quite 40 yet. Mm -hmm. And I was having some really serious health issues and I would go to the doctors and they would say, you're healthy. There's nothing wrong with you. But I, I had uh, really bad acne and I was an adult. I had kids. So you know, a lot of times we associate acne with uh, the teenage years. Mm -hmm. I mean, my eyes were really red. I was tired all the time. I just, I did not feel good. And I felt like my colon was collapsing. Not that it had ever collapsed before, but I had had a collapsed uterus. So I knew what a collapsed organ felt, felt like. And so the doctors, medical doctors were like, there's nothing wrong with you. And I could tell after a while that, that it was one of these, I almost sounded like a hypochondriac to them. I'm believing this is what I sounded like just because of their reactions. And someone said, Angela, why don't you go to an iridologist? And I'm like, a what? They're like, trust me, go to an iridologist. They can look into your eyes and they can give you some insights. So I, I did. And he looked in my eyes and he says, you have, and this was without me telling him what was going on. He was like, let me just look at your eyes. He says, you have really compacted bowels. He says, and if you don't clean oh, wow. them out, you're going to run into some very serious problems. And then he told me that things like gluten, you know, a lot of people think of gluten as a sensitivity, but really when you, you hear the word glue, glue 10, it's like glue on the intestines. And I, I just, all the stuff was st sticking to them because I ate a lot of pasta and breads and not a lot of vegetables. So that started my journey to finding out about eating more raw foods because he says, why don't for two months, why don't you eat mostly raw foods? He says about 80, 80% raw, 20% cooked. And he says, this will help you cleanse and you'll, you're going to feel a lot better. And at the end of two months, I felt amazing, but I was also extremely bored. I was so bored of just eating salads all the time and eating a piece of fruit. I was like, okay, there's got to be something more exciting. And I was introduced to Glazer Farms out in Coconut Grove. And they had the most amazing food. And it was hard for, for me to believe that this food was actually uncooked. The flavors were amazing. And that's when I decided I have got to become a raw food chef because it felt very expensive for me to go there every week and to buy food for the rest of the week. And then by the end of the week, sometimes it would spoil. I'm thinking, oh man, I just wasted this money. So that's what led me to become a raw food chef because it was more about, I wanted the excitement. I wanted the information. And so when you switched your diet to raw foods and you started incorporating more raw foods into your diet, did you notice uh, a drastic change in like your blood work and your blood analysis and um, things of that nature? Because one of the biggest reasons that people usually will develop heart disease is because of high cholesterol. And when you introduce more fiber, more fruits, more vegetables into the diet, that is associated with lower cholesterol levels. So I'm just curious to know, like, did you notice a change? I know you noticed a change in how you felt, but did you notice any change in like your blood analysis, blood pressure, weight changes? Well, I, I had always had great blood pressure and everything was pretty good. So for me, it really was in my physical being more so than what a doctor was saying, because remember the doctors were saying I was healthy anyway. So the, my blood work, according to them, was looking fine because I didn't have the mm -hmm. high blood pressure. I didn't have high cholesterol. I didn't have any of the, these diseases that one normally associates with, um, with not eating well or with uh, getting older, what a lot of people think of. So that's why they said there's nothing wrong with you because there was no evidence as far as they were concerned. But now me personally, I felt like a new person. 
I felt energized. My skin cleared up. People were complimenting me on my skin. What do you do for your skin? Mm -hmm. What do you, and I felt better and I did shed a lot of weight and I was feeling great. Absolutely. So that's where I saw the difference. It's amazing. So with that being said, one of the biggest challenges of making healthier lifestyle choices is fighting the temptation to make the poor food choices. <laughs> and of course, it's very hard when everyone around you does not have the same goal or same mindset yeah. and that can influence your choices. And so how can someone practice a healthier diet if people in their surroundings have not made the same decision? That's, and I'm speaking from experience, what worked for me, because that's exactly the position that I was in. What I would say is when it comes to change, and this is the psychology in me, I, I, I was going to say in another life, but no, I really do have a master's degree in psychology and I was a counselor. So, but another life mm -hmm. in this lifetime, obviously mm -hmm. I believe in one <laughs> lifetime. When it comes to change, lasting change, most people have to have a compelling reason to change. And if a person's desire to change their eating is on a whim or on a fancy, or, oh, this looks like it would be something cool, or, oh yeah, let, let me try it it's probably not going to be sustainable. It just the way human nature works and we live in this thing called the flesh. It's the way the flesh works that unless we have a compelling reason, a lot of times change is not sustainable. It's just not going to last. And so for me, my health was on the line and I needed to be the change that I wanted to see because it was such a drastic change from what I ordinarily ate or how I grew up eating that there was no one else around me eating that way. So I had to be the one that was willing to be the butt of jokes. And I would just joke back with them because I was taking my juices and my smoothies and my little raw meals with me in my little lunch kit. When I would go to church events, when I would go to any type of event, here comes Angela with her own food. And right now during, during COVID, things may be a little different, but whenever I would go to a potluck, I would be sure to bring food that was really good, that I knew that I would have something to eat and that others would be able to say, oh my gosh, this is really good. Share recipes. So now I'm inspiring other people to, to think, wow, this is really healthy. So sharing the knowledge, being the change that you want. Also, if you are the shopper in the house and you're the one that needs to make change, you can, do, you can be a little sneaky. You can start changing things out for healthier in, in ingredients. And that's something since at the time when I was doing this, I was the shopper. I was the, the cook as well. I was a stay-at-home mom. I was able to, um, what do you call it? Like uh, little sneak things in there that they didn't know the difference. Now, something as big as quinoa versus <laughs> rice, you can't sneak that in there. You know, people will say, what is this? So make it a, a fun thing. See if, if the rest of the family are up for a challenge. Let's try something new once a week. So instead of rice, white rice, let's try the brown rice. Let's mm -hmm. try the quinoa and just make it a fun thing. Hey, let's have a vegetarian night tonight. Let's have some, let's make our own pizza if, if a person does cheese, but get the family involved, get the kids involved in making things and try to get that buy-in because if, if they're involved, the more they're involved in it, the more likely they are to buy in. But some of it can be done here and there. But the other part, if others are not in with, with you, you might have to go solo for a while or find a, a support group where you can you know, eat together and, and chat together and know that you're not the only one out there eating in this quote unquote strange way, which is called SAD, the standard American diet. <laughs> Most people eat SAD. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just try to remember, like one of the things for me, I am still in the process of trying to stick to a proper diet without deviating. But one of the, the things that have worked for me is just realizing that when we eat, not only for to satisfy hunger, but to really nourish the body. Because yeah. the body needs so much nourishment. It needs so many minerals, so many vitamins, and so many things that, you know, if we don't have it, it, we can't really function. So I just try to remember, okay, I'm eating to fuel the body. I'm eating to get the energy I need in order to work, in order to 
just be active. So I think that's an important thing to remember as well, too. Along with everything you just said. (laughs) Absolutely. And I I wonder, this is going to sound probably radical to some of your listeners, but I wonder if I am encouraging, hey, start switching things up. Try this, try that. Maybe for some people, it's a gradual for if if you're not necessarily in a health crisis, hugely motivated, go in there gradual and not to beat yourself up if you eat a food that you know is not conducive to your your health goals, just embrace it and say, hey, you know, Friday night for a period of time for the next three months, Friday night is going to be the night that, I don't know what you want to call it. I wouldn't call it anything negative, but um, old school night, hey, the way I used to eat old school or, or something like that. And just start that weaning process because it needs to be fun. I, for me, it, it needs to be fun if it's going to be sustainable. But if I feel like I'm punishing myself, it's just not going to last. And right. a lot of people go into healthy eating feeling as though they're punishing themselves. And I think because old school, the, the food used to taste like cardboard. It, it was tasteless, but there's seasonings now. Season it up and mm-hmm. make it taste good. Throw some mushrooms in there for the texture. That was one of the biggest things that I, that I miss was the, the chewing because I do do a lot of smoothies and mm-hmm. mushrooms are a really nice chewy kind of, of um, uh, feeling for the mouth, which really helps help me. How can nutrition affect our wellness and emotional well-being? I think we kind of touched on this a little bit, but how have you noticed changing the way that you eat, changing your um, diet has affected your emotional well-being. I think we touched on wellness, but how does it affect your emotional well-being? Yes, I, there, I definitely believe in the mind-body-spirit connection. And so the, it, I think of it as, a, as this beautiful circle. If I'm eating foods more conducive to looking better and whatever that is for me, now my body is at the weight that I like it. So psychologically, I'm like, oh my gosh, Angela, you're looking good. Ooh, you know, so now <laughs> emotionally, I'm feeling better. Now endorphins are being uh, released instead of me being sad and depressed and like, oh my gosh, I need to lose 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. So there is that, that mind-body connection. In addition to so many foods have beautiful benefits for our, our nerves for every part of the body, which will create different psychological and emotional responses. I have a um, very close family member who did not realize that he was intolerant to gluten. And I noticed something was happening that every time this individual would eat a lot of gluten the following day, he would be depressed. And after a while, he finally saw that there was a connection. So for some people, we take it a step further that there are food sensitivities, food. A lot of people are familiar with the allergies because the person breaks out in hives, they start itching and and something happens drastic. But Mm -hmm. the food sensitivities are a lot more subtle and people may not draw the the correlation, but it it became very obvious that, wow, what he was eating was affecting his emotions. And he's not alone. Um, Definitely a connection between the nutrition and our wellness and our emotional being for sure. I definitely agree. Because even in my personal life, when I have a period where I'm eating exactly how I'm supposed to, I'm making sure I get the nutrients that I have and I'm working out on top of that, there is a good feeling that comes along with that and you feel vibrant you feel energized throughout the day and then as soon as you have a one or two cheat days after that (laughs) you're back to feeling tired and probably a little sad because you're not really sticking to your your goals so i do think there is and it's interesting to know that food can actually change mood like the person you just mentioned with the gluten allergy and the the depression with the gluten yes absolutely And so if, if we're looking at, at something like gluten and a, a food sensitivity and ha- having a person lean towards a depression, now we take something like the superfoods like maca powder, 
you add that to something and this helps balance the hormones and creates this wonderful energetic lively feeling so the opposite is true as well there are these foods that can create such wonderful uh, energy and, and feelings of well-being yeah so now um there are some fat diets out there and one of the most popular one is the keto diet uh-huh. and while this diet does help most people lose weight and it, it seems to be good for glycemic control or a diet for diabetes i don't really think it's the most healthiest for the heart just because it's a diet that promotes high fat and usually high fat animal fat can cause um high cholesterol and so how do you feel about the keto diet and is there a way that this diet can be made healthy that that was one of those i tried after my pregnancy when i stepped on the scale and i'm like whoa this scale doesn't realize i'm not pregnant anymore what's going on <laughs> so i was desperate and as the saying goes desperate people do desperate things and i tell you i as much as i love bacon and eggs I was so tired of bacon and eggs by the, by the end of like a week <laughs> and it did work. And I, I think the thing that a lot of these diets have in common and the reason why they work is because a lot of them really are cutting out the, the, the junk foods and the refined mm. foods. Because when, when you look at the, the ketogenic diet, the keto diet, they're still, they are using whole foods. It's meat mm. and it's high fat but it's not processed. Mm -hmm. It's still uh, the, the whole foods and they're cutting out the refined flour. They're, they're calling it low carb, but what are they doing? Low carb, but mm -hmm. they're still, they're cutting out the refined flour and the white rice and all these things that a lot of the health, what I consider to be the healthier diets, that's a, a narrative thread, that common thread that they have. So I think that if, if we take a look at the keto diet and you add more fruits and vegetables to it, it's not really going to be the keto diet anymore because mm -hmm. the carbs and the fruit, but maybe more vegetables. Uh, my big concern, I, I know you, you mentioned the heart, but for mm -hmm. me, I'm really big on the colon since that was particularly an issue that I had with. And for me, I'm thinking, what about constipation? Come on, where's the fiber here? Right. So I, I, for me, it's like add some mm -hmm. tons of, of fiber to that. And at the end of the day, once again, it's all about the individual. Some people, like you did mention when you first brought it up, do benefit from that. But I'm wondering if the, say the obese person that does this and they're super healthy, is it sustainable? Will they do this for the rest of their life? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, would, I would just say more fruits and vegetables. Maybe if you're concerned with the carbs and the, the fruit, then have the lower sugar uh, like tomatoes and avocados and cucumbers, that type, or green apples is what I'm just my thought process. Yeah, I agree. I think there should be a balance, an even balance. I don't think any diet where you have too much of one thing is really safe. And when we think about the heart, you really need that fiber, um, which includes your fruits and your vegetables and your whole grains in order to help lower cholesterol. A diet that's high in fat can definitely lead to high cholesterol. I was really wondering if a person could substitute healthier fats, like your avocado, like the fats that you find in nuts and, and certain fruits and vegetables, and have a diet high in that, if, and if that would reduce or can take the place of the animal fat. I'm wondering because a lot of where people get their fullness from in the, the ketogenic diet is huge serving from my understanding and, and how I, I learned it many decades ago was mm -hmm. big portions of meat. I mean, you could have a lot of meat. So if I'm looking at an avocado, how many avocados would I have to eat in order to feel full and still right. have my body go into ketosis? But that's an mm -hmm. interesting experiment. I wonder if you could have mm -hmm. a vegetarian, vegan, uh, ketogenic Keto diet. diet, right? <laughs> you probably can't. I'm telling you, <laughs> anything these days. You know, um, Shalana, you mentioned something that that really uh, that stuck with me when you said it, it, at the end of the day, you believe it's like coming into a balance, and mm. so. I have don't hide this. It's just that it doesn't come up. People assume that mm -hmm. I am still a vegetarian. 
And the rest of my story is, yes, I started feeling absolutely amazing for about a year and three months. After that, I started looking anorexic. I didn't look good anymore. And I tried, you know, I was adding the healthy fats and everything and nothing that I would do. I would add this and I was like, oh, well, I need more vitamin K and I need this. And I would add things and different items. And it wasn't until I added a little bit of the animal fat back into my diet that I started feeling and looking healthy again. I no longer looked anorexic. So for some people, they, they swear by it, by being 100% vegan and raw. And, and so I say, that's fine, but we each have to answer to our own bodies. And that's another reason why I don't beat anyone over the head. When I teach as a, a raw food chef and, and really it's, it's just sharing and giving it, you know, on my YouTube channel, I'll, I'll give different recipes and everything just because I would like to help people find ways to incorporate more fruits and vegetables because I understand how boring it can be. It's like, oh man, another salad. <laughs> so, and that's basically what happened with me is, was it sustainable? I thought that it was, I got it down. I knew how to do it, but at the end of the day, I just, I wasn't feeling or looking healthy anymore. Right. And that goes right back to our conversation earlier about food shaming. Um, the diet has to be individualized. Like everyone can't have the same diet. Everyone can't eat the same way or do the same exercises. You have to do what works for your body. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So People often say that eating healthy is expensive. For example, you can go into the grocery store and you can get, let's say, a loaf of white bread for $1.99 and then the wheat bread is like $4. <laughs> and so it's hard. So if you are shopping on a budget, you want to often go with the cheapest route to eat. So what are some ways that we can eat healthy without spending a fortune? Well, one of the things that I've, I've found because I hear this statement a lot. And when I start talking to people about their eating habits, they, and we start calculating, a lot of them don't realize how much money they're spending on that quick trip out to McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, Starbucks, um, you name it. And if they calculate what they spend weekly, they could take that money and buy a higher quality food in terms of nutritional density. So instead of buying that, the white bread, and, and someone once said that the whiter the bread, the faster you're dead. <laughs> hey, I, I didn't say that, I didn't make that up. Okay. <laughs> you can then go ahead and buy that more expensive bread, full grain, organic. And then one of the things that someone told me a long time ago, I, I had pretty much said it, it's like, it's so expensive. And the question they came back to me with is more expensive than what? Spending money on trips to the hospital and paying your copay, more expensive than buying medication, more expensive than losing time at work from work because you're sick, more expensive than feel. And I was like, whoa, that, that was quite the reframe. What is it more expensive than? more expensive yeah. than buying junk food. And I have a, I have a relative and I, I, I'm making sure that I'm not ratting him out. Let me, <laughs> let me do it in a, <laughs> I watched him do some shopping and mm. it was pizzas, chicken nuggets, hot pockets, all of those I mean, very, very expensive. If, if he had taken that money, he could have bought, if you're doing meat, an entire chicken mm -hmm. for like, and fed himself for a few days with what he spent on several of those items, you know? So a lot of times it can be less expensive if you're doing it smart. Uh, a lot of people are starting to get their home gardens. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. um, Get your home garden, get a little plot of land, form a community garden. 
also we were talking about misfit.com i yes. love this that was your discovery. <laughs> i don't know if you want to talk about it but i was so yeah. excited <laughs> so yeah so misfit i you know you tried it first i haven't tried it yet and i was so impressed when you sent me an email and you said you tried it you have to let me know how your box goes but with misfits you get vegetables that are not manufactured because they have odd shapes and they have odd sizes and they really don't make it to the market. So instead of throwing these vegetables and fruits away, you can actually order them and they'll ship it to your house in a box. I, depending on how much you want, they'll give you like a whole box full of it. And it's cheaper than going to the store and buying a pound of apples or a pound of bananas because you you're basically buying them but they don't look like the actual fruit you know or and vegetable doesn't mm -hmm. say if, if you've ever done home gardening or, or seen it that's how organic fruits and vegetables are they aren't these perfect picture items that you that's just in the store so it's pretty mm -hmm. cool and one of the other ways you know saving money eat less meat so instead of mm -hmm. having a huge portion of meat just in your mind know that I'm going to increase the portion of vegetables. And so now you'll be spending less money because I think when I, when I do my groceries, meat is the most expensive item. It is. It is mm -hmm. very expensive. So eat less meat and that, that in itself will shrink your bill right there. And I think in our society nowadays, it's, it's almost symbolic of, of wealth. If I can buy all of this meat, I must be doing okay. I don't know, but <laughs> it's like, you're not poor. It doesn't mean you're poor right. if you don't eat a lot of meat. I don't know what it is, you know, but it, it's almost like yeah. a status symbol or something. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and farmer's markets too. If you can absolutely. find a farmer's market, you can get vegetables and fruits for um, cheaper prices as yeah. well. Yeah. So there's, okay. there's many ways to kind of, you know, avenue through it to Absolutely. find a way to get it. And it's about being mm -hmm. resourceful, being resourceful and mm -hmm. having, hey, this is going to be soup night. And, and you know what? Here's the other thing. A lot of us waste food. I mean, I, I will look at, uh, at stuff in the refrigerator that my family wants to throw away. And I'm like, no, this is going to be <laughs> soup, okay? Right? <laughs> yeah, I've started making vegetable broth. Like yesterday, I made a, a salsa with peppers and different things. And instead of throwing the hoods away, I just put everything inside of a jar and just made yes. a little broth. It's just sitting there waiting for me to use it. So there is a way to reuse your food. It's definitely a way. <laughs> I, I have a container in my freezer. And that's exactly what I do every time I, I'll chop off the, the tops of the, the celery. I'll put it in there. I'll do that mm -hmm. with the carrots as well. And onions, you know, I even use the onion roots, the, the top part and the bottom part. Yeah. And I throw that in there with the skin. You don't even have to peel the skin off when you're making a broth. So right. I, I challenge myself to find ways. How can I repurpose this meal and be creative about it so my family doesn't even know it was repurposed? <laughs> yeah. Right. And that leftover chicken that yes. you make a yes. chicken salad. <laughs> exactly. Chicken salad. Or I have like, you know, the, you have the tortillas and you put that on it with some vegetables and so mm -hmm. many ways, but I don't throw it away. Don't throw it yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now, what are some myths and facts that you would like to share about healthy eating, if any? I, I think we just covered them, really, that, that it's so much more expensive. That's really the biggest one, I really believe. Yeah. And it is possible if one has a reason. It really does. And, you know, for, for people that are believers in God and that God created them, I think one of the biggest reasons for me is that it's good stewardship over my body. This mm -hmm. body that I have here on earth is on loan for me, just like every other tool that God has given me. So how can I take care of it to the best of my ability? I also, I'm thinking, man, I look at the women in my family, they live to be close to a hundred. And I'm like, you know what, if I'm anything like them, I'm going to be in this body for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I better take really good care of it. 
Yeah. I think one of the myths that I hear a lot is that all vegetarians are healthier. You have to have a vegetarian diet to be healthy. And that's, to me, I think that is a myth too. Although vegetarianism is a good way to start and if you can keep up that diet and if it works for you, I think it is a very healthy way. And a lot of them are very healthy, but there are foods within that category. Because I remember I gave up meat for about a month just, you know, to see if I can do it. And I remember going into Whole Foods and I saw a vegan carrot cake. (laughs) (laughs) And I picked up the vegan carrot cake and I was eating it like, oh my goodness, it is so good. This cannot be healthy. (laughs) This cannot be healthy. And you look at the ingredients and it's just as bad as a non-vegan carrot cake. So that just goes to show you, right, it's still processed food. And just like the Beyond Burgers and things that are out there that are French fried vegetarian. Yeah. Right. So I think that's a big myth. Yeah. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. I'm glad you thought of it. Yeah, that is that is so true. (laughs) I remember my son was in in, um, elementary school and one of his teachers uh, had gone for, you know, parent child conference and we somehow got on the subject and she says, oh, I'm a vegetarian. And he, in his innocence, looked at her. He says, oh, I thought you only ate candy. Because she has this big fur and all she ate was candy all day. Candy's vegetarian if it's not made. But uh, we laughed about it, but you're so on point. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of leeway with unhealthy things that a vegetarian can eat and still be called a vegetarian. Right. So it still falls back on your food choices. If you choose to have a certain diet, it's all about what you choose to eat within that that certain diet, because you can be unhealthy with any type of diet. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I had um, a, a lady at the gym and yeah, I'm not trying to be cruel. I'm just making a, an astute observation, but she did have an anorexic look about her, whatever that does mm-hmm. mean. And her hair kind of looked like cotton and she said something to me and I guess she, she was asking me if I ate meat or something like that. And she, she pointed her finger at me. And she says, you need to stop eating meat. And my first response was to attack back because I felt attacked. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, Angela, shut up. But I'm not a doctor, but she did not have that vibrant, healthy look about right. her. And she's the one that came out of her mouth that she was a vegetarian. So what mm-hmm. could I assume? that she looked the way she did because of, but I don't know, maybe she was sick. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. So now we've come to my favorite part of the interview. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite raw food recipe? You know what? My, my absolute favorite raw food recipe is my raw fruit pie. And the reason Mine too. (laughs) love it. I mean, mm-hmm. most people, you don't even have to be thinking about being a healthy eater in love in order to love the raw fruit pie. And the ingredients are just, they're, they're nice. They're, they're fresh. It's tasty. And um, that one I have on my YouTube channel, Angela Golden, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N. And you mm-hmm. can take a look at it, but um, it, it's also a very pretty presentation. And I intentionally paid to learn how to make this pie so that I wasn't driving to Miami on every special mm-hmm. occasion and spending $45 on this pie. <laughs> you know? So it was definitely money well spent because you do yeah, a great was. job. <laughs> and I have a make it already, but it did not work out. I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> now, what part didn't work out? Um, grinding what the, um, the, the dates and yeah. the almonds. Was it almonds yeah. together to grind to make the crust? So my crust never really comes out right. Okay, so well, we'll definitely have to talk through the, uh, the yeah. Sure, <laughs> yeah. I want you to have your raw fruit pie. Right. <laughs> um, the, the other yeah. thing I really, really like are, are smoothies. And the reason why I like smoothies are because, is because they are, are easy on the digestive system for the most part. Uh, consider it, hopefully you can digest the items that are in there, but because they are blended so finely, it, it the, that's like the, the digestive process has started already because the first mm-hmm. step in digesting is us chewing them. And mm-hmm. most people, I'm going to venture to say, 
will not chew their fruit and vegetables to the blended consistency. Mm -hmm. And there's one school of thought that says that 80% of disease can be eliminated at the Cush Institute if we chew our food until it turns into liquid. Most oh, wow. of us don't have that kind of patience. And by the time it gets to that consistency, it no longer tastes good. And it's like, wait, I'm, I'm, I want some pleasure here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's why I absolutely love, love smoothies. And in honor of um, heart healthiness, I, I chose one of my favorite ones, and I can't take credit for this. This one is, um, his name is, is Jeff Premack, and he is actually like a food scientist. And so he puts together these smoothies and food as well based on what they can do. And he calls this one the red artery scrubber, and it's specifically mm -hmm. for heart health. So oh, um, wow. I don't know if you want me to give you the, the ingredients. Yes, or, please. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, so what I'll do is I'll just give you the ingredients and then circle back around and, and talk about uh, two of them, a couple of them. Mm -hmm. for, okay. for the red artery scrubber smoothie by Jeff Premack, which is wonderful for the, for the heart, you're going to start off, in your smoothie, you're going to start off with two cups of water, two mm -hmm. red bell peppers. So you're going to take the, the seed and the stem off of that, five strawberries, one ounce of goji berries, a sprig of basil, one small okra, believe it or not, oh, wow. a half of a lime with the pith, one inch of ginger root, a half of avocado with the seed. And you're going to blend it. And, and it needs to be a really strong blender, obviously, because you're blending an avocado seed as well. And you're going to blend it until it's smooth and drinkable. And if, if you want it uh, smoother, you know, add a little bit more water. But I find that two cups is just about enough. Often I'll put some ice in it as well so that it's nice and cold because there's, for me, I, I don't like drinking a smoothie that is hot or warm. It's like, ah. Mm -hmm. So as you'll probably notice with, with your background, some of the ingredients that I mentioned, it's like, oh yeah, antioxidants, vitamin A, vitamin C, mm -hmm. folate, iron, as in the red peppers. They have all mm -hmm. of these wonderful ingredient and ingredients and they're low in calories. And then you're looking at the strawberries, which is good for increasing the, the good cholesterol lowering mm -hmm. blood pressure, all of these things that affect the heart and uh, the goji berries, which is just a wonderful superfood. And it, it's good for the skin, anti-cancer and all of these things because of the antioxidants, it's going to be great for the heart. But now, I mean, basil, who would have thought of basil, but you, you have yeah. magnesium in there. You've got omega-3 fatty acids. You've got manganese. Mm -hmm. You've got all these wonderful heart healthy items. And then okra. Yeah. Okra too. You know, so it's got fiber, <laughs> antioxidants. And because it's only one piece and you're doing this consistently, if you do one smoothie once in a blue moon, eh, but if you do this consistently. And so also now when you take citrus, like a lime or a lemon and you peel it, but you leave that white part called the pith, it is rich in flavonoids. It's a type of antioxidant. It boosts the immune system it increases the good cholesterol as well. So that's going to help with the heart health as well. And uh, ginger, that helps improve heart disease risk factors. And then the seed, did you, I mean, have you ever used your seed in avocado seed in a, in a smoothie? I had not the avocado seed. No, yeah, I hadn't until Jeff uh, taught me about it. And it actually helps to lower cholesterol and prevent heart disease as well as a whole other thing. I'm sure it's a good source of fiber. Mm -hmm. Yes, excellent source of yeah. fiber. It reduces inflammation, prevent, prevents blood sugar imbalance. And he says, look at it. He says, this seed has the ability to grow into a huge tree. He says, there is power in this seed and all these wonderful. Mm. So you blend that up and it's really, really delicious. And, you know, for some people, it's going to be not sweet enough. And mm. if that's the case, I would say if you need to wean yourself, use a low glycemic sweetener, like use a little bit of uh, stevia, monk fruit, or um, there's uh, something else. It, it slips my mind right now, but low glycemic. Mm -hmm. And you can sweeten it a little bit. But after a while, after eating like this, drinking like this, the taste buds really start to change. They really do. Yeah. And you start to favor what's healthy. Yes. Yeah. So exactly. where can we find goji berries? I get mine on amazon.com, mm -hmm. but hope, uh, the different uh, health food stores has them as well. Mm -hmm. and it's a okay. beautiful, wonderful, wonderful um, superfood. 
it's a uh, anti-cancer, healthy skin. Mm -hmm. It stabilizes blood sugar, improves depression, anxiety, great for sleep, uh, prevents liver damage. It's, uh, it's mm -hmm. super, really good for the eyes as well. Okay. And would it be in the produce section or is it like a package type of yes. berry? So on? In, um, mm -hmm. in Whole Foods in particular, they actually have them in the bins where you can scoop them out and get them or it comes in little uh, pre-packaged plastic uh, bags. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that is an awesome. I'm gonna try that smoothie. Yes. yes. <laughs> people who have an issue with constipation, I, I usually, I throw like five prunes into my smoothies and that's a really thing. And I don't even taste them, but I just, just mm -hmm. throw five prunes in there and it just helps keep with the regularity. Yeah, and what about dates? I think dates are really good with the sweetening, but. Yeah, and dates are dates can be considered like a special treat because they are high glycemic because they are a dried fruit, and so mm -hmm. if if um, sugar is a concern, we need to be careful with the the dates. Just like that raw fruit pie, yeah, it's definitely a treat because it it does have a lot of uh, a lot of calories and uh, high glycemic ones, especially the bananas and the pineapples. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so this has all been excellent information and I know my listeners are going to be able to benefit from this and I can have you on all night just talking yeah. about nutrition and food and getting recipe ideas and I'm sure my listeners would love to have you on all night, but of course we can't stay on all night because <laughs> we've got things to do tomorrow. <laughs> so I really want you to tell everybody where they can find you and talk a little bit about your YouTube channel and you are working on a wonderful project and that I want you to discuss a little bit about your documentary and film as well. Awesome, well, thank you for that. Yeah, I tried to be really consistent on my social media platforms and make them all Angela Golden, G-O-L-D-E-N, which is my maiden name, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, my married name, Angela Golden Brian. So on YouTube, that's where you can find me, Angela Golden Brian, as well as uh, Instagram. And Facebook, I actually added actress in front of that actress, Angela Golden Bryan, just to differentiate it from my personal page. But yeah, that's where you can find me. And um, the project that you worked about, I'm sorry, that, uh, that you talked about is I am currently producing a documentary and I'm from St. Croix, Virgin Islands. And this documentary is about an event that happened in the 1800s when the Virgin Islands were Danish territory. And slavery, the, the, the enslaved had been emancipated 30 years previously, but they were still being treated really poorly. And so these four women, they rose up and they led a mass labor riot. And, you know, men, women, children all joined in and they burned down half the island. Well, I found out that my ancestors were there on the scene and that really inspired me to investigate more. So I wrote a book, I got an Amazon best-selling uh, adult book. And then I did a children's book, which is an award-winning book as well. And uh, then I, I did the documentary, which won its first award, by the way. And yeah, yeah, we're, Congratulations. We're we, won our pick. <laughs> we won our first award. So people, if they're interested in, in that, you can go to my website, AngelaGoldenBryan.com mm -hmm. and under the philanthropy, philanthropy page, they can see a teaser uh, about the documentary and what I'm doing. And I'm in the process of having the documentary have its own uh, website so that people can go straight there and see it. But um, we're just, we're super thrilled. And, and uh, you know, I must say, whenever I talk about it, I have to say that we received a grant from the National Endowment of the Humanities and the That's Community awesome. Foundation of the Virgin Islands. Yeah, they, they really helped us to take mm -hmm. it to the next level. And we're so appreciative of all of the people who helped us before that get to that mm -hmm. point. So it's, it's just been, it's been wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And that is amazing. I'm so proud of you. And I know our chapter is so proud of you too. You. And I'm just looking forward to all the big things that are going to come from this. And um, yeah. And I just thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Cause I know you're busy with the film and everything for just, uh, you know, sitting down and talking about eating healthy and being healthy. And I just pray that this just reaches the masses because this is very important information that we all need to know. And just want to thank you again and tell you how much 
you're appreciated and loved. <laughs> so my pleasure. And I'm so thankful that you even thought to, to ask me about what I do, because I know you could have so many other guests. So I, I feel honored and blessed that you thought to invite me along. And I, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I'm, and I'm so proud of your accomplishments. And uh, thank like you right now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So that wraps up the first episode of season two. I hope that you enjoyed Angela as much as I did. I also pray that you are learning and growing from the eavesdrop podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in every week and supporting this podcast. It is my goal that this podcast will continue to grow and just continue to give out information that you and your family and your friends and your loved ones will be able to benefit from. And hey, remember, I am always here to serve you. So if there are any burning questions or concerns or show topics, please do not hesitate to contact me at drshalanabattle at gmail.com. And also become part of the eavesdrop family and stay on top of all the different episodes that will be coming up and all the greatest and latest news about the eavesdrop. Join us on Instagram at the real eavesdrop underscore podcast. Again, that is the real eavesdrop underscore podcast. So until the next episode, be well, be whole, and be blessed. Bye.